come right out of a comic book. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. Uh, just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred. Welcome to Screen Mayhem, the January update. I'm very excited once again to have our senior reviewer and all-around movie geek, Paul Salt, on the show. How's it going, Paul? Happy to be here. Here at Geeky. Geeky in here. Let's geek it out. We're going to be talking (laughs) about upcoming 2020 movies that uh, we saw some trailers of. Well, I think you probably saw more trailers than I did, but we'll get to those when we get to them. Um, (laughs) Yeah, to see what we're excited about. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to go through some of the... uh... Yeah, some of the big hitters that are coming, and some of the little ones as well, which, uh, I mean, those are the ones that can be the most fun, are the ones that come along, you had no idea anything about it, and then, yeah, it just becomes the most exciting thing. So, uh, it's just, it, it's all becoming real now. Now that, you know, Cannes is on the, is on building up some steam, and the Sundance Film Festival's happened, and is already previewing some of the probably best films of the year, it's just slightly exhausting, the idea of, oh, here it is, your next year. <laughs> But um, uh, so many great films, I think, are on the way. Yeah. Well, we'll start with a big one that's probably not going to be great. Sonic yes. the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> Formerly 2019 film, until everyone pointed out how rubbish it looked. And um, I'll give this, it, Sonic looks better. He's he not does. creepy yeah. anymore. No, the f- first one really was creepy. And, they, you know, this should be the way it works. Like, give us a little taste <laughs> and we'll tell you if you're doing it right. <laughs> they should have taken cats back. We could have easily yeah. said to everyone, look, this is really sinister and triggering in quite a few different indistinct, distinctive ways. Um, please, please, please make this a 2021 film and just Avatar so it. Bizarre. Just completely start yeah. again. <laughs> but to their credit, they went away. They listened to feedback and were like, okay, we're not going to be able to merchandise this if people are frightened of him. Right. Just yeah. as I said that, my eyes clapped um, to uh, Jim Carrey and similar thoughts over in my head. <laughs> totally. Um, yep, Jim Carrey reprising his role as the Riddler from Batman and <laughs> Forever, it seems. He's, uh, so who's doing the voice yeah. of Hedgehog? Um, it's an unknown. What's his name here? I, or at least I don't know. Ben Schwartz. Is, uh, ah, Mr. Schwartz. The Schwartzenheimer. Oh, John Ralphio from uh, Parks and Recreation. Yes, of course. How's that pronounced again in the show? Have you watched Parks and Recreation? I have not. Um, I've I've, I've watched like six episodes like over time trying to get into it and just never clicked. He was a fun character in that, but I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Jean Ralphio? God damn it. I haven't watched it in years, but okay. That's kind of interesting, but yeah, Uh, I'll be, I'll be curious to see The the trailer was very obviously trying to capitalize on like a sort of detective Pikachu irreverence in its main character. Um, totally, and it's a it's a real return to I don't want to say return to form, but return to type for Jim Carrey. You know, this is very much his the kind of performance we were seeing from him. You know, some ten fifteen years ago that he's now yeah. back into. So it'll be curious to see if the context that has subsequently surrounded Mister Carrey and his bizarre behavior will um, hamper at all the largesse of his performance. Yeah, Jim Carrey in particular, and um, also I would say, um, oh, a- Adam Sandler. When you even, mm. like, if you look at, like, pictures, like, stills of them doing, like, their earlier work, like, 
especially like really early stuff. You look at like the set of Once Bitten or something like that. You mm. can already see that the annoying person is in them. It just we haven't <laughs> noticed it yet. We're just cruising <laughs> along, laughing at their stuff. It's kind of new to us, but what we don't realize is it's a weird tick that's eventually going to make us hate them. Well, you know what? At being a Monty Python fan, I feel like what it is is when you're a young man, there are certain traits that become very irritating when they get older. I'm thinking specifically of John Cleese and his sort of cynical, ugh, nothing's ever mm-hmm. good enough, is it, John? Once he kind of loses that youth and charm um, and energy, it just becomes miserable. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's, again, the curse of age. <laughs> the curse of time. The curse and of that's time. Why, and that's why I'm looking forward to Sonic the Hedgehog. To watch the oh, sort right. of opposite of Dorian Gray. <laughs> yeah, did Crumbling you ever play the game? Oh, yeah, God, yeah. I mean, to be fair, the trailer was fairly nostalgic in a couple of ways, you know, with its sound effects. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm off the right age of the target audience they're aiming for here. I just don't know if um, it's going to resonate. It, it does seem a little cynical. Right now I'm looking yeah. at a cutesy kind of behind-the-scenes IMDb thing where it's like they're interviewing Sonic, the CGI character, and I'm just slightly uh-huh. irritated. <laughs> let's see all right well good fair enough i'm not really all that excited you could be because it could bring back you know i yeah. feel like it feels like the mario brothers one of my childhood <laughs> <laughs> oh god if it's mario brothers i'll be very happy if it's that weird and bizarre yeah, exactly. and with dennis hopper then i'll be happy <laughs> all right well next up we've got an interesting one a new mm. take i guess the last one we did was called ha- hollow man maybe yeah that's basically we... yeah yeah when we tried to do the Invisible Man, so we're doing the Invisible Man again, and this time it's uh, it's Peggy Olson from yep. Mad Men. Yes, and it is, and um, yeah. it's Lee Warnell. Uh, Warnell, I guess, directing is um, he's the Saw guy, isn't he? He did a bunch of yeah, he did a bunch of Saws, um, oh. and wrote Upgrade, which was a really fun movie. So oh, I loved Upgrade. That was a lot of fun. So it looks like an interesting twist. You're right, it is kind of Hollow Man, and it's, you know, the Invisible Man, the H.G. Wells story, but we're taking the perspective not of Dr. Griffin, you know, we're taking the perspective of one of his victims, and that's a cool perspective to take, because what a horrifying idea, the idea of having this person who, you know, is dangerously obsessed with you and is able to sort of be in your presence without you seeing them. Very, very creepy. Um, yeah. and, and the I way the know. way they, they gave us too much of the story in the trailer, but the whole bit. idea of this one that he fakes his own death and then he's really just coming back to be a dick. Yes. <laughs> he <laughs> could do something... anything in the world, but he's decided, I'm going to be a doucher. You know what? There's a, there's a really terrible line in there. I don't know if it's just me, that my expectations when somebody says the only thing, my expectations go way up like I'm going to hear something really clever. But when he says mm. the only thing scarier than him being invisible is that he's found a way to haunt you forever. And it's like, oh. I was kind of expecting like a twist on the first thing. Like the right. only thing scarier like, than not being able to see him is not, I don't know. <laughs> That's what's really, art, you see. Is he really immortal now? And like, <laughs> I just don't, forever? I, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, well, we'll see. But um, I need to stop saying we'll see. <laughs> I'll call it. I'll call it out. I'll call it out. It's gonna suck. It's gonna (laughs) suck so hard. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if it's actually related to the dark universe anymore. What was it? That was what it was called, wasn't it? Or if it was developed as such, because obviously nobody liked the mummy. There was talk Mm -hmm. of an invisible man. Wasn't Johnny Depp going to be involved or something? Yeah, I I feel like I I heard that too. I assume that this is completely removed from all of that, and you know, I assume that actually H.G. Wells' story has now entered the the public domain. 
considering how old it is. So I don't think you probably need any kind of right permission in order to make this movie. So, yeah, right. it'll... We'll, we'll see, but, well, I mean, it did look fairly broad. You know, Elizabeth Olsen's crazy... Elizabeth Olsen? What's she doing here? Elizabeth Moss's um, crazy acting, because right. part of the premise seems to be that something to do with insurance, that if the Invisible Man can make her go crazy, she doesn't get any of the money, but then why leave it to her in the first place? I don't know, but... Yeah, right. her I'm losing my grip acting is very sort of, you know, bug-eyed, big grin. Totally. But... I, I like the premise, and we'll see how many sort of neat gags they can come up with. But like you say, we may have seen a little too many of them in the trailer already. Yeah. No, I, I definitely got the whole movie. There's even like parts where it's like <laughs> somebody's in the chair. They really did it on this trailer. They're like, yeah, we'll show you yeah. beginning to end. Yeah, they premise, not story. She's, yeah, yeah. Is what you should be doing. All right, well, next up we're uh, talking about the Jet Li, uh, Donnie <laughs> Yen, Jason Scott Lee movie, Mulan. <laughs> Mulan! Are those guys really in it? Yep, they're all in it. Oh, wow. Fantastic. So here's the thing. I've obviously... I haven't yet really gotten on board with these live-action remakes of the Disney movies. So far, they haven't, I feel, justified themselves or why they exist. But Mulan is the first one that's been done of a movie that I never saw. I never actually saw the original Mulan. It was just after the period where, as a sort of adolescent, I started to feel a bit embarrassed about going to see Disney films. And when I say right on, I mean literally it was Toy Story 2, and then this was the next one released. And Toy Story 2 was the last one I saw until I got over myself and saw Up, like 10 years later. So, yeah, I never saw Mulan. I will, I think, go back and watch it before I... Well, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I enjoy it better. Because the Disney one was pretty fact. good. I mean, oh, it's a yeah. great story. Yeah, it's a good story, and uh, the, hopefully that story and whatever new things they bring to it will be enough. Because they've of course cut out a fair amount of the comedy. We don't have a a talking singing dragon who was obviously meant to capitalize on Robin Williams's genie in the original. Oh Lord, you're so right. Who else is funny? Eddie Murphy. We'll have him. He's not reprising his role, unfortunately. But we do have. Um, something that looks really pretty and um i like the sort of wuxia style martial arts stuff that we've seen so yeah here's hoping here's hoping that it'll be the first live action disney film that actually feels you know in some way justified i notice it's being directed by a new zealand film director i like there has to be a reason (laughs) yeah like, to remake like, it. There was no reason for the Lion King. It just... Yeah. We didn't need to see CGI lion and stuff. It no, they made it worse not... because the CGI lions were less expressive than the cartoon ones. Right. Yeah, what a yeah. joke. <laughs> but, you know, maybe a, a, an actual live-action Mulan will bring a sense of scale and drama to the whole thing. That... Right. It looked like it's... it. You know, they're they're definitely yeah. doing the whole uh, hidden dragon treatment of wires. Yes. And, yeah, you name it. <laughs> yeah, which could be fun. I like this. Disney originally sought an Asian director. Maybe they were all out. They were all busy. Yeah. They considered Ang Lee, but he was like, mm, I don't think so. So we've got a New Zealand director. I like the idea maybe they're just on a delay. It's like, sir, I got yeah. that New Zealand director you wanted for um, Moana. Uh, uh, but, oh, <laughs> screw it. Just put him on the next one. And two years from now, we'll have a Chinese director directing the remake of Treasure Planet. <laughs> totally. <laughs> 
Well, um, next up, the New Mutants. Uh, this one surprised mm. me. I hadn't heard of it first off, and then it starts out, and it the trailer looks like it's just going to be like a an origin story of mm. you know the Xavier School or something. Yes, and then it's like it's like a fucking horror movie. It is like a fucking horror movie, and that's a really interesting premise. Um, in particular, the horror movie that it is very much like, and that it reminds me of, is Dream Warriors, my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. So yep. I was getting those kind of vibes of a band of kids. They're in an asylum of some kinds, and they're sort of discovering, oh, wow, there's a remake of The Stand coming out soon. <laughs> Sorry, I've just noticed the writer of The New Mutants is also adapting the Stephen King's The Stand. That's interesting. And um, the director of this directed 10 episodes of The Stand. Oh, well, how interesting. So there you go. So this uh, Josh Boone guy is very involved with Stephen King's verse. And here he's brought us a very horror-based um, superhero movie that looks like a good version of Glass. So yeah, <laughs> he's also totally. hoping for that. So we've got Maisie Williams in it. I don't think I recognized... Me- oh, Anya Taylor-Joy, speaking of Glass. Yeah, is, uh... she's one of my favorites. Oh, she's great. I can't wait to see her play Emma soon, speaking of... Um speaking of uh, upcoming films so yeah the new mutants it looks like a very interesting superhero story that should be a bit different and i don't know if the plan is that this is the new x-men because they've kind of written off the old x-men um, as well as they should have they kind of yeah I, mean, I i enjoyed them for their flashy colors but hmm. come on yeah. yeah maybe it's time for some new blood and that's what this is so yeah best of luck to them cool a different superhero movie <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to it all right. Um, how about then? Oh yeah, no time to D. No time to D. <laughs> no time to D. Um, it's a German movie. No, it's it's the new James Bonder one. It is. Bond is back. It seems Bond on another back. adventure with all his friends. Um, it's it's yes. Yeah, so we have <coughs> the first Bond movie since uh, Spectre. Which has been a few years. It's been a few years in development hell and changed hands a few times. I would have loved to have seen Danny Boyle's Bond movie, but wasn't to be. And so we have Carrie Joji Fukunaga. Uh, Fukunaga. Yeah, Fukunaga. Um, I doubted myself. Um, who, of course, may be known to people as being the visionary director of various episodes of um, True Detective Season 1, which was brilliant, as well as the writer and director of uh, Beasts of No Nation, which was a big deal a few years ago. So promising he's written this movie along with um neil purvis and robert wade who i'm interested to learn wrote the last seven bond movies in one way or another which mixed results and also phoebe waller bridge yeah one of the more surprising um entries so yeah i'll be very interested to see what that i mean yeah i think a, a female perspective on bond has definitely been very overdue so i'll be I bet you, i'm sure she's really things. I think she's really, really enjoying this little, like, burst of fame because she can just do weird <laughs> shit like that. Like, I've always wanted to be in a Bond. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's write a Bond movie. Fantastic. So, yeah, we, we have a film that seems to be picking up from Spectre, and we have Leia Sedu, and she's got some sort of dark past that needs to be resolved, and it's going to involve Rami Malek. And it just looks like sort of more Bond action. I will say, I've seen the trailer several times, and I can't remember any of the set pieces. There's something to do with ice, and that's yeah. that's all that's stuck in my head. Let me so, see. Anything come to mind for me? Um, do you remember any action beats? 
him That's jumping. Well, okay, there's this very impressive scene where he's leaping off a bridge as two cars are racing towards him, and it's one of oh, those yeah. epic scale. Yeah, it jumps back. That looked really cool. That lo- that's what makes sense. That sounds good. You know, he did that something like that in I think the last one where he jumped from the top of the train into the water. Oh, that was uh, Skyfall. That was Skyfall. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that kind of yeah silly I... explodies. <laughs> explodey I love the explodies. And if I remember correctly, <laughs> some of this has been shot in seventy millimeter, which is great. It means we can see it in the IMAX because you can't see everything in the IMAX. I went and saw nineteen seventeen at the IMAX and the sort of handheld, um, slightly jerky quality did make me feel a bit sick. So hopefully you know, uh, <laughs> I watched it um on a my on my T V and same thing, it was just like there's something about the way the motion it would it would blur a little and make you feel mm. sick, all that saturated green. The motion blur was crazy at the IMAX. It's strange. There was one moment where I just had to pan past some countryside and just the whole screen became an expressionist watercolor painting from it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Um, okay. Can I say one hmm. thing about that movie? I mean, Uh milk. Really? Milk? (laughs) They just milked it before the Germans invaded. Here's here's some cow milk. It's like, um, (laughs) okay, this just got weird. (laughs) It's a fetish. It happens in Skyfall as well. There's a bit where Javier Bardem <laughs> gives Daniel Craig some milk, and it's very tender. And it's all about mothers, you see. So, yeah, metaphor or totally, something. Totally. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, next up, mm. Promising Young Woe Man. Holy crap. This has been a big hit over at Sundance. Um, it's, it looks um, good. Yeah, I love this. It's it's um, kind of like a reimagining of those trashy old revenge fillers you used to get. Um, it looks like it's about Carrie Mulligan, who has taken to... She was a promising young woman once upon a time. Something horrible has happened in her past. And now she has taken to going to clubs, acting really drunk, until some guy takes her back to um, his place for a bit of a sultan. And then she reveals herself not to be drunk and kills him, I yeah. think. I think she's told. murdering him. Yeah. yeah, because we see her, like, check. She's got a big list of tallies in her notebooks that implying that she's done this dozens of times. Um, it looks kind of campy, a lot of fun, and just what a premise. Yeah, I love it. It has uh, some fun people, like Christopher Mintz Plus. You can see he's one of the victims or mm. perpetrators, whatever you want to say. And I haven't seen him in a while. Mm. Clancy Brown, I saw. Al- uh, I didn't oh, see him Clancy in the Brown, fantastic. But, but if the Kurgan's in it, Come on. No, I'm, I'm pretty excited <laughs> for this. I think it's going to be great. I got a little glimpse of Alison Brie and um, Connie Britton, which is always welcome. Um, and just Carrie Mulligan herself has proven time again that she's a real talent. So seeing her in a kind of campy, culty kind of film really, yeah, is very promising to me. I've not heard of the filmmaker, Emerald Fennel. Um, oh, I see. She's directed some episodes of The Crown. So this is quite a change of direction for her. Um, yeah, I'll be... Oh. Yeah, she wrote a few episodes of The Crown. So, is this directorial debut? Yep, directorial debut. So, yeah, the visual style is already really striking. I love it. All right, well, what about Antebellum? I I can't say I actually heard of it until I watched the trailer, but I was pretty enticed. Yeah, it's a very uh, interesting trailer, that. I feel like... I remember that there was a big fuss when Get Out's trailer came out, because the big fuss was what is this movie about? It looks crazy. And that became kind of, it kind of became viral because of how sort of playfully crazy it looked. And this is, of course, um, from the producers of Get Out. And I think they're aiming for the same thing. And it's also a sort of horror movie yeah. with some very obvious social, you know, attempts to make a social comment. So I'll be curious, you know, for that reason. 
And also it's got Janelle Monáe in it, who I'm a little bit yeah. in love with. So I will be very much looking forward to this one. Trailer in, opposite to um, The Invisible Man gives away a lot of like the premise, maybe. There's something to do with time travel here, and it's going to do with um, slavery in some way, it looks like. But right. nothing of the story has been given away. So, yeah, it's just a kind of mood piece. Right. I still have no idea what it's really about. Yeah, and I like I'm, that. I'm fine with that, right? <laughs> exactly. We'll find out when we get there. All right. Well, um, oh, how about a really big one? Black Widow. Yes. Coming up soon. Finally. <laughs> um, yeah, something that could have done with happening somewhere around phase one. Would have been, I always thought that a Black Widow solo movie would have been a good alternative to Iron Man 2. Because all that Iron Man 2 really usefully did was introduce Black Widow. So I right. feel like that would have been a good thing. But hey, we have it now. Um, it's only just too late because uh, this is apparently set after Endgame. Um, but spoiler alert okay. for Endgame, she's alive again. So hey, that makes no sense. Yeah, I wonder if when um, Captain America went and put the gem back, he got Black Widow back, which would be a real shitter if that's how that works. <laughs> if it's just like, and oh, you get the gem back. It wasn't right, possible. Check. Yes, yes, that you can't get back what is taken. Yeah. 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 But you know, have Probably you noticed clone. how um, like ever present uh, Florence Pugh is? Yes, I do like Florence Pugh a lot. And she's and just she's... suddenly in everything I'm watching. I'm like, oh, there she is again. <laughs> I just uh, watched uh, Fighting with Your Family, I, and I oh, I yeah. just watched her in Little Women like the day before. Yeah. And so I'm I, I got a fresh in my mind, and I'm just like, who is that? And I would go she on my... to IMDb, and I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> She was my favorite character in Little Women. I really loved her. It's Amy, I think, is the character, the sort of petulant well, one. She was so Paige. much fun. Oh, no, yeah, oh, no, in, little, yeah. in Little Women. Yeah, in yeah, Little Amy, Women, yeah. You got I, it. Although She's I do like best. Paige as one of the Little Women would have been great. But, um, yeah, she plays Paige really well in Fighting With My Family, and she's been in Little Drummer Girl. And for me, I first saw her in Lady Macbeth, a really fabulous um, British mm. film a few years ago, and she's just gone from strength to strength. And here she is playing new Black Widow, I guess. Um, okay, okay. I, I mean, she's literally she's literally credited as Yelena Belova slash Black Widow. So okay, she's trained as a Black Widow. Okay, so there's multiple. Maybe it's like the Dread Pirate Roberts. Oh, okay. Rachel yeah. Vice is also playing a Black Widow. Oh. Interesting. Hmm. I love mm. this. I love the whole. Uh, my favorite. Um, do you know what? Sorry, I've been talking shit. Following the events of Captain America's Civil War. So this is just after Civil War, before she died, and it's probably going to introduce Florence Pugh as maybe the next Black Widow, and then she'll okay. take over. So, okay. But that's that's fine. That makes more sense. Um, which, which is pretty cool. Yeah. My favorite Marvel movies is where they, like, do another kind of movie with their, um, with their heroes. You know, Gu- Guardians of the Galaxy was essentially Marvel does Star Wars. Um, the Winter Soldier was um, Marvel does Three Days of the Condor kind of slash a old espionage thriller, um, complete with Robert Redford. So I like I love the idea of a Marvel Cold War thriller. You know, lots of spies and fights in bleak Siberian landscapes. There's um yeah, there's a lot yeah. for me there, and I love the cast. You know, David Harbour's in there. Um, Rachel Weisz, I'm always fond of her. So yeah, let's uh. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And apparently Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in it as Iron Man. So he'll never get away from this shit. <laughs> it's so he's true. He's here for life. As hard as he pulls. <laughs> Come on, I want to be 
Doolittle. It's like, yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> Nobody wanted it's that. It's your fault for being so charming. <laughs> Look, we'll make an Iron Man movie where he can talk to animals. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Crossover. He's <laughs> got like this bear, bear running with him. <laughs> All right, well, okay, how about uh, The Woman in the Window? Woman in the Window. I'll tell you this. I can't remember. <laughs> I overlooked this when I was rewatching an, the trailers. It, it, it's an interesting one. It's like a, a woman who has agoraphobia. Oh, yep, uh, there it is. Yeah, lets the neighbor come in the house and they become friends or something. And she finally leaves the house to go see the neighbor and that woman's. She, it's like pretty much a rear window. They think. Yeah, you know, I mean, e- yeah, even play. beyond even beyond the rear window comparison, it's very Hitchcockian and pre- just its feel. You know, this Absolutely. is a paranoia thriller. It's a psychological thriller. And Amy Adams, who is just to be cherished, and I only just noticed, kind of the opposite of Florence Pugh, acts very rarely. In my head, it's just, yeah, Amy Adams, she's all about the place. But if you look at her filmography, it's a a film or two a year, if that. So I think one year, all she did was appear in Batman vs. Superman. I keep calling it Batman vs. Superman. Um, Which it should have been, but it was was Batman v. Superman. Yeah. she was in that for five minutes, and that was her year. And I guess probably yeah. the paycheck was <laughs> enough for that to be the case. Totally. Um, no, it was Justice League that she was in only that year. Batman v Superman was the same year she did Arrival. So, the opposite of that. Well. But yeah, we've got a great cast. Gary Oldman, Anthony Mackie, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Julianne Moore. So, yeah. And an interesting old director. Um, he's directed some clunkers for me, like uh, Pan. And I was not fond Ooh. of Darkest Hour, um, yeah. too. In spite of all its Oscar buzz, it was just Gary Oldman in a fat suit <laughs> roaring about the place. Um, but I think was those good. contrived things like that exactly. Mm. Like I, I got it. I was all excited. I put it on, and like about ten minutes in, I'm just like, oh, just fuck off. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm really on... watching a dude masturbate. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm God, playing this... the character. I'm like, no. <laughs> Yeah, that whole lion mouth speech that he yells, it's just, oh god, this is just, there's no nuance here. This is like a, a skit from a comedy skit, uh, show. <laughs> totally. Um, and the scene on the subway just made me really cringe. <laughs> um, yeah. But that's that's uh, Darkest Hour, terrible movie. I liked Hannah. I liked, well, no, I liked parts of Hannah. Right. It was like um, such a good premise, and then it just yes. wasn't great. Well, then it decided that she should spend most of the movie with this British family. And I was like, right. oh. Okay, the espionage story was fun. I was enjoying right. that. It but, should um, have been like somebody. I mean, we cannot. It's been written. I don't know why people just don't take the real story. It should be like a very Zen Japanese way of storytelling. But you pretty mm. much just make it like the. It's a little girl who's like Zadowichi or something, this lone yeah. samurai that goes around. And yeah, you could have a whole show like The Bodyguard, with, but instead mm. it's a little girl going in and murdering people. <laughs> such fun and such I'm fun. curious such fun come on it could be charming for the whole family yeah when she kills when, <laughs> when she kills michelle dockery in the beginning of hannah i was like what that was a great scene <laughs> oh yeah that is great and the chemical brothers meet I, we could talk about hannah i i enjoyed hannah quite a bit um but yeah i'm curious to see the woman in the window is written by playwright tracy letts who uh, might be familiar to people for the um, William Friedkin adaptation of his works, uh, Bug okay. and Killer Joe. Um, so, yeah, I'd be curious to see how he... Because this is the first time I believe he's actually written a, a sort of whole-cloth new story for the for the screen. So I'll be able, interested to see if it still feels like a play adaptation, because Bug and Killer Joe definitely did. 
Love it. All right. Well, the most uh, yeah. excited oh. everybody's, oh, my God, we're talking about Wonder Woman 1984. Yes. 80s nostalgia. Have you had Set enough in the of 80s? it yet? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm down with it. First off, she's like the most beautiful that could possibly mm. be Wonder Woman. And she's yeah. badass. Yeah. It's like she we is. haven't seen her I... back. I like her character, and I like the pre- the concept that now he's the fish out of water because we have Chris um, uh, Pine back, yeah, um, and now he's the one who doesn't know how the world works and has to be led around by her. So that's that's an interesting kind of reversal of the last film. Uh, the and it seems like the potential for some charming moments. Um, it could be a little corny, but hey, she's here, and um, just oh god, the difference it makes when Zack Snyder's not allowed near set. <laughs> yes. So I didn't notice yeah, and, and one you know, I... shot up her skirt in the whole movie, <laughs> in the whole trailer. Right. Well, I think it has good fight uh, choreography. Um, that's, I think, going to make it really cool, mm. too. It's, a, it's got some of those Matrix moments. But yeah, the 80s nostalgia yeah. with that, I'm good. Yeah, and Hans Zimmer on the soundtrack is always a good thing for me. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be looking forward to see where they take the story and what they decide to um, uh, to do with it. Because the DCEU is such an interesting little beast now. It's... um. It just feels so chaotic and bizarre, especially with Birds of Prey coming up, which we haven't talked about and looks interesting. I it was going to throw like... it in. It's not on our list, mm. but why don't we just do it now? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. very, very excited about it. it. Yeah, it's coming up real soon. I think it's in the next couple of weeks. And um, yeah, great cast. Uh, I mean, Ramona Flowers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh, it, it just, it does look like a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I we'll think it's going to be really the... good. Aesthetic is very different, and thank God has broken away from Suicide Squad and that whole scene that it. The had. only thing that I have a problem with that a little bit a fear of is mm. in the trailer. It looks like they showed us the formula. She's going to come to town. He's guys yeah. going to pursue her. She's going to get beaten down, and then she's going to come back with a vengeance. And I'm just like, do you have to do it that way? Can't you do something more interesting mm. to give her? I hope her it is arc? interesting. I really. Just lately, I've been watching a lot of action movies that have such perfunctory plots. You know, just right. go here, do that. Now we know about this, let's do that. And the action isn't enough; is often not enough to keep me through it. So, yeah. Does Maybe that mean you watched uh, Hobbs versus Shaw? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hobbs versus Shaw is exactly that. We need a plot point. Uh, let's do a oh, table God. with a computer on it. <laughs> I recently watched Bad Boys for Life, and that had a similar kind oh of vibe. My God. I'm amazed to find it actually has been somewhat warmly critically received because I really didn't like um, Bad Boys for Life. They should have saved no. that title for the fourth one. Yeah, <laughs> which there is going to be now. Ugh. You know, the first Bad Boys I saw that bridge scene, the chase. It was so oh yeah, and amazing too. and just energizing. <laughs> but yeah, by the time yeah. we got further down the road i'm like this is just garbage thank you <laughs> it really is and this one just feels like that movie but without the sort of action sequences that were at least mm. visually interesting so yeah but that's that's bad boys life wonder woman 1984 looks like a lot of fun so does um birds of prey slash the emancipation of harley quinn the fabulous yeah, emancipation I, I think it's gonna be awesome <laughs> yeah all right well this one i couldn't find a trailer for but um if nope. your list is giving me the goods they're remaking Candyman. They are remaking Candyman, and more specifically, Jordan Peele is remaking Candyman, which is... um, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that's... I mean, just anything that Jordan Peele does is always a very interesting um, thing. Hold on, let me just get the info in front of me here. 
Yeah, written by Jordan Pe- uh, Jordan Peele, and he's uh, co-producing. The director uh, is Nia Costa. Such a good, good bad guy. Yeah. Oh, he's the, he's great. And I will say the thing about the original Candyman, uh, the '90s film, which I really do love. It's very foreboding, but I always felt like they strayed away from the more interesting aspects of it, which is the Candyman is this folk horror figure in this really poor community. The yeah. idea that everybody kind of knows who he is and nobody wants to talk about him and he has fucked people up in this world and everybody has felt some sort of loss as a result of the Candyman. Um, it's just great. It's one of those great films about uh, urban myths. Um, and then it kind of steers away to focus more on its main character, Virginia Madsen's madness and her sort yeah. of struggle with reality. And it's it's at its strongest when she's just in that terrifying apartment complex with its creepy murals of the candy man's face so yeah and oh tony my god todd is i was just gonna it, say yeah. tony todd's back because i was gonna <laughs> say if he had to find somebody as creepy looking as tony and todd sounding. that's what made it work tall yeah. and skinny and just that face he's and that he voice yeah. yeah oh god yeah, it reminds me a lot of the tall man from phantasm you know they they're mm. these really robust bad guys yeah. Oh, and I see the um, our lead is um, Tiona, Tiona Paris, who was in um, If Bill Street Could Talk. So, oh, that's oh yeah, she played the sister, one of the fun, the really fun sisters. So yeah, that's oh man, that's a good thing too. There's great people involved. I have nothing but high hopes. I love it. All right. Um, mm. Next up, we have Tenet. <laughs> yeah, here it is. So. I'm just. What, what I, do you, you know, know about it? I don't know anything about it except I saw kind of what it could approximately be about. But what have I told you? I've seen a teaser, a trailer, and the first six minutes of it, and I don't know much about it either. Okay. Right, <laughs> I saw good. the first six minutes before Rise of Skywalker in IMAX, um, and it's gorgeous. It looks beautiful. It's exciting in that way that so many Christopher Nolan movies are, where it's like a, it, you know. He he made the prestige where he compared movie making to magic tricks, you know, not overtly, but within the, the, the film. And so many Nolan films just feel like magic tricks where it's like, this is what I'm going to do. And you just have a smile spread across your face. I remember the, specifically those moments in Inception. Yeah. I remember the moment where it's like, oh, this is a heist movie, which you didn't yeah. get from any of the marketing. And, it's, and you just feel like, yeah, it's a heist movie. And in Interstellar where it's like, oh, I see, they've got to go to each of these planets and there'll be different weird shit on each one. And just, yeah, there's very little that I know about Tenet except that I know I'm going to get in there and there will be a moment some 15, 20 minutes in where I realize what the movie is and I'm just going to be really happy. Yeah. It's about time travel. It's got John David Washington and a host of great other actors, including Mr. Pattinson, uh, Elizabeth Debicki, who I love and always love seeing in things. Um, uh, oh, is it, who is it now? It's Aaron Taylor Johnson, Michael Caine, of course, you know, always. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just excited. I'm very excited to see what exactly Mr. Mullen's got in store for us. Cool. Well, I couldn't find anything about this other one either. Last Night in mm. Soho. I do, I did see that it is a, um, Edgar Wright film. That's pretty uh, much it. I, um, I saw Edgar Wright speak last year. Um, he was actually talking about one of his favorite trashy horror movies called The Tenet. I think oh no called the no the sentinel sorry the sentinel is what it's called so oh, that was thank um, you. that was a terrible movie yes yes he was there doing it as a guilty pleasure um uh and yes he was he also mentioned his new movie which is last night in soho 
which is a vampire movie set in London. And he said one of his motivations for doing that is that not many movies these days get set in that particular part of central London, uh, and if sort of Soho and Fitzgerovia. So it's an attempt to sort of make a movie about that, and it seems to be just a... I think, from what I've heard about it, it's friends go out, you know, for the night, to some nightclubs, and vampires attack. And it's a kind of psychological horror film with, again, just the best uh, cast. It's Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. Thomas and McKenzie. Diana Rigg, Terrence Stamp. Oh, Diana Rigg! I didn't know about Diana Rigg. That's so much fun. I love her. And I love Thomas and McKenzie. She's, you know, one of the most exciting young actresses to have come along in a while. So I and can't again, wait like, to see her and stuff. Like Florence, Anna Taylor-Joy is, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is popping up everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, um, Edgar Wright is just always so much fun because especially when he's doing straight horror, um, and he said it's been inspired by movies like Don't Look Now, the Nicholas Rogue movie, which I absolutely love, is one of my favorite yeah. horror films ever, and Roman Polanski's Repulsion, which is a very interesting kind of thriller. So... It's just got all the right things going for it, and yeah, I'll be. Uh, I mean, the last Edgar Wright movie was Baby Driver, right? It hasn't been. Yeah, yeah, and that was fabulous. Really, really good fun. So you know, he just always has to pay heed to keep Simon Pegg out of his films, and I'll watch them all. <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah, mission accomplished here. All right, <laughs> well, I love it. Um, okay, um, yeah, Dune. We're redoing Dune finally oh, for the for the third Dune. time. Yep. Uh, yes, because there was that TV miniseries, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, no I really as, as much as right. I <laughs> as much as I enjoy um, Frank Herbert's novel, this for me is exciting because it's the next Denny Villeneuve film, um, and as a result, it's probably the movie I'm most excited about next year. Maybe along with Tenet, I just cannot wait for a new world that he has crafted, especially one based on this amazing book. Incredible cast, including Timothy Flavor of the uh of the decade, it seems Timothy Chalamet, if that is how his name is pronounced. I've heard it said some numerous ways. Um and Oscar Isaac, Josh Brotlin. I mean it's just the cast is insane. Going yep. all the good way director. down. Good director, good director, good cast. Time. How's that cinematographer? Greek Fraser, I've not heard of him. Huh. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, I always got the sense that Velnev's the... Yeah, fingers crossed, but I always got the sense that Velnev is the kind of guy to sort of have a very hands-on approach to cinematography, so I'm sure it's going to look gorgeous no matter who's in that that position. Um, Yeah, I have very high hopes for June. I like how how Batista shows up in just random cameos at this point. (laughs) It's like, he's going to be a superhero. Oh, he, he sucked in this movie, and now it's just like, oh, yeah, look, it's him. It's Batista. It's him and Terry Crews is like the meathead that they just throw into things. <laughs> he seems to be, Velnev seems to be quite fond of him. I was very surprised when he showed up in Blade Runner 2049. Yes. Um, oh, Javier Bardem. Uh, no, I'm going to stop looking at that cast list. And also Hans Zimmer is back for the soundtrack again, so yay. <laughs> Well, cool. Um, on for I don't know anything about this one either, except that it's related to Wes Anderson, uh, the French yep. dispatch. I mean, that's all that really you need to know to be a little interested in what this is going to be. It's the new Wes Anderson film featuring Flavor of the Decade, Timothée Chalamet, as a, um, I believe it's a, um, a, it's, a, it's about journalism, this one. It's set okay. in a fictional 20th century French city. And 
beyond that, I have no idea except that this, every time Anderson releases a cast list, I always just look at the long list of incredible actors and just think, how? How are you going to involve all of these people? And Absolutely. As we've seen in, you know, the Grand Budapest Hotel and with the Isle of Dogs, some of them will probably just show up to say a line and that'll be it. But right. it's it's bound to just be a really entertaining and fun film. Absolutely. I'm very excited. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, good list. Um, okay, well, that takes us to um, I. Your in your notes, um, you gave me Mank and Wendy, and I don't know what the heck that is. So yes, I'm, a, I'm so at a got... loss for the end of this. <laughs> two, the last two films, Mank is one of them, and Mank is the new David Fincher movie. Oh, uh, and yeah, just something to be excited about because yeah, that's always going to be an amazing thing, and I believe that it is about the guy who wrote Citizen Kane and his battle with Orson Welles over the kind of credit of who actually wrote Citizen Kane. So it's that movie. It's starring Gary Oldman. It's got Amanda Seyfried and Charles Dance and a number of other great looking actors. And it's just, it's Fincher again, once again. I mean, unfortunately it is being produced and distributed by Netflix, which I don't know why. It just cheapens it a bit for me. <laughs> it does I know a little they've bit, got, doesn't it? They've got a great relationship, but to me, as soon as I see Netflix's name on it, I'm like, oh, great, I can't wait to see that TV movie. That'll yeah. be, yeah, really interesting. But I'm, It's going to take you know, a while for their brand. You know, one that hit me the other day, <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this before in other ones, but I was watching uh, Limetown, the podcast made into live action, mm. and it's oh, yeah. on Facebook Watch. I'm like, so Facebook sells a watch? <laughs> You have to buy their watch to watch the things. And I'm like, it just didn't make sense. Oh, it's just Christ. the worst name. And it's the most disorganized thing. If you click on it, it's like ready to show you a video of like some monkeys throwing shit at each other. It's like, if you guys have like good properties, put them for forefront, you know? I know. It's like when I, um, it's like when I heard there was going to be a season of community on Yahoo TV. And I was like, is, is that a thing? Right. Does that exist? What is that? What's happened? Yeah, I was so hopeful that it really was like a thing, like community is going to stay. And then they were like, no, that sucked. We're out of money. <laughs> that sucks. We're out of money. The end. The community story. The Dan Harmon story, more often than not. Unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Ma- that's um, Mank. I can't wait because it's Fincher and it's just going to be incredible visually and, you know, from a storytelling perspective. And then Wendy, yeah, it's an upcoming fantasy movie about Wendy from, uh, we don't you know, need about. That. <laughs> from Peter Pan. I suppose not, but I was excited about this. Let me try and tell you why. Oh, because right. it's the director of Beasts of the Southern Wild. That's oh. right. Um, which is a movie I really loved, and it's been I a very long time. I loved that movie. Yeah, it's been a long time since this director's given us anything, so that in and of itself makes it very exciting. And um, that's pretty much all I know about it. It's got a good director, but hey, I would have called Joe Rice a good director before Pan came out, so you know, maybe there's a curse, a curse of Peter Pan. That any movies made of his um, properties are going to end up being not very good, but at least recently. But hey, you know, I have hopes. But this, you know, we're looking at this. Oh, it's already been at Sundance. So, oh, wow, it's getting released February 28th. For some reason, I had this like at the bottom of my list, like it's going to be ages away. But I don't know any of these people. So, no, no, no. I think it's a lot of newcomers. So, yeah, we'll have to see. It'll be a new take on the Peter Pan legend and hey it might be good <laughs> sweet well yeah. yeah um i love it i i'm tired of that story myself and yeah. i'm tired of this new thing of making movies like pan um i really didn't like the kid who would be king it was just outlandish oh, right. and, and 
stupid. And yeah, but Wendy's going to be that. just the same. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I just pre- so, yeah. I just do my predictions. Okay, so Oscars are coming mm. next weekend. This will oh, be okay. out by then. Um, I'm going to let you just guess Best Picture and Director. Okay, let me just have a quick reminder of myself as to what that entails. I mean... I was very surprised by the Oscar nominations, actually. Um, Best Picture, I believe I counted, and I like half of them. So, I mean, it's, that's probably unfavorable, but I would say that five of them were amazing films. I'm very surprised at movies like Ford v. Ferrari being in there, for example. Right. Um, and, of, of course, I think Joker took everybody by surprise. But um, Best Picture, I would hope, I guess, I loved Little Women and Marriage Story, and Parasite. Parasite would be yeah. quite the upset. That would be one- amazing. Yeah, Obviously, it'll never it happen. Best. It'll it never happen. It could get foreign, but they'd never give it, yeah. I hope it gets foreign. But um, in terms of prediction, often these things end up going to whatever the safest option is. And if there's right. nothing in there I can see that's... Nos- oh, you know what? Maybe it will be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, because that it would is a be nostalgia piece about Hollywood, and the Academy loves those. You know, as you'll see from previous Do you think winners. That- so. Do you think the people's actions at the Golden Globes would help determine what kind of awards they'd get? Because both Quentin and Joaquin Mm. gave really ridiculously dumb acceptance speeches. Like, I just wonder if people (laughs) see that and they're just like, fuck that guy. I'm giving it to this person. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, when you hear some of the rationale that Oscar judges have used to describe why they have voted one way or another in the past, it has just been ridiculous. The fact that people voted for 12 Years a Slave without having seen it and then saying, oh, no, I'm sure it is brilliant, but I just just couldn't stand it, you know? And it's like, well, kind of the point of the movie. Have you seen it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen 12 Years a Slave. It's fabulous. But yeah and i probably would have voted for it as the one of the best of that year but having seen it you know i feel like if i were on the academy i'd go to the effort of watching the 10 movies it doesn't seem okay, that so difficult i think i would be disgusted <laughs> if the irishman won i didn't think yeah. 1917 was all that good i mean it was beautiful like okay. i couldn't believe that they recreated that world yeah but it was a beautiful world it was a world it was War amazing one that was more diverse than we've seen before because you just imagine like a a muddy pit really when you think of world right. War one and it was cool to see like a uh, post-apocalyptic france kind of see this was touching to see after the um peter jackson one right the mm. colorized stuff oh that was from... fantastic i really loved that they will they will not grow old right yeah. they will not grow old because it gave you that grit right mm. uh, that you don't see normally you go watch i mean there were something like uh shaving ryan's privates is very graphic <laughs> but it's also yeah. not quite the same you know mm. absolutely maybe little uh, women will win best picture that now that's to be honest they all feel like outliners i can't see the obvious winner yeah me either i think if they were being sweet it's gonna be joker or once upon a time because there are two movies that'll never be made again they won't do it for <laughs> parasite because mm. that's that and uh yeah, no, I don't think the Irishman will get it. If it does, I'll riot. Because <laughs> um, no, it's a good movie. It was not the best film I saw last year. It was, well, I mean, the best picture is never going to be the best film. The Farewell isn't nominated, so it'll never be the best film. Although, I know, I couldn't a, believe that. Mm, they had a good run for a while of nominating my favorite film for best picture and then not giving it the Oscar. Like, they nominated, what was my favorite film of 2016? It was um, Arrival. That was best picture. Um, 2018 last year was the favorite, and that was nominated for Best Picture. 
Get Out in 2017, and that was nominated for Best Picture. So for a while there, they were nominating my favorite movie of the year for Best Picture. Um, the last time my favorite movie of the year won the Best Picture was No Country for Old Men in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so but this year they missed. There so it is. They should uh, consider themselves failure. Officially, if Paul is wrong, he owes everybody listening ten dollars each. So go exactly. ahead and uh, let me know, and I'll get him a bill. And <laughs> just come see me personally. I live out. You're, you're sure on those bets? I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, well, a cool. director as well. Um, oh yeah, sorry. I you're right. You know, I was looking at directors when I was going through my list. Um, I forgot that we have the best picture that's ten, or or mm. up to ten. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. It does show a lot of people. Now all these things can say Academy Award dominated, but yeah, great. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, Tarantino hasn't won one before, has he? I don't think he so. didn't get one for Django. No, so maybe people will vote for him just because they feel like it's his time now. And he says um, it's his last film, right? Or he has one more? No, I think he said ten. Yeah, so I think we're gonna get to the tenth one, and then that'll be the end. Right. Um. Yeah, he's yeah he's never won. he's never been is that indicating it's the first time he's been nominated for oh best picture right best director he's been nominated a few times he's won best screenplay twice the, yeah. the Oscar for original screenplay and uh, for um, Pulp Fiction and Django so this will be his first uh, directing win uh, if he gets it but um yeah it's pretty yeah, weird I kind of miss there I don't know yeah I'd love for it to go to Bong Joon Ho because oh I me too Parasite, Parasite was, just, was so uh, good. It, it surprised was so well me directed. So much. It was just uh, gorgeous. It was gorgeous mm. and just amazing. <laughs> you know, I recently yeah. watched the best foreign language film of last year. I just finally got around ah. to it, Shoplifters. Oh, that was great. Coriada. It, it, it was amazing. First thing I did is actually I went to go look up to see if you'd done a review on it back then, but you hadn't, so. But no, I, was... I, I saw it. I didn't get around to um, writing up the review, which All happens right. sometimes. It's harder for me sometimes to write reviews of the really good films. I, I, that's an unfortunate thing about me, I think, and something I and not make on. it trivial or whatever. Well, yeah. yeah, I yeah. Sometimes I worry that I just using synonyms of good. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to hope for best mm. picture to be. Um, I'm going to hope for it to be Joker, even though it won't be. And then directing, <laughs> who do you pick? Um, so, yeah, I hope it's Bong Joon-ho. Uh, okay. Likely to be either Scorsese or Tarantino, I think, just because they're old hats. I think they'll give it to Quentin, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a high chance of that. All right. Well, there it is. Um, and, yeah, yeah. I, I choose um, – I think I choose Quentin because, yeah, that would be cool. Although <laughs> I think enough. Bong Joon-ho, uh, I don't know, that was some some beautiful directing. And great oh, – yeah. everything about that movie, the casting – it was just mm. so well done. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. That Fantastic. is all. The all for our mm. January update. Uh, check out ScreenMayhem.com for all of our reviews and our other podcasts. And until next time. Until next time.